guys, it's Michelle. And Brandy. And this is Spooky Shit. So this week we are talking about haunted asylums. Brandy's going to be starting. I'm going to talk about the Will- Willowbrook State School. And I'm going to be talking about the Beechworth Asylum. Here sounds like there's going to be children involved. I am concerned. Yes. Warning. This episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, we said this. It. This story makes me very sad and mad. Or, we're very smad. Very smad. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> I was gonna set it up for you and be like, "Hey, Brandy, how's this story make you feel?" <laughs> Ridiculous. It really makes me angry. I'm scared but excited for it because I'm like, how am I gonna be feeling at the end of this? You're gonna get mad. Hopefully mad, otherwise I'm like a sociopath, so. Yeah, you have no heart. <laughs> okay. All right. Take us off. So Willowbrook was a state-supported institution for children with intellectual disabilities located in Willowbrook, Staten Island, New York. It was open from 1947 to 1987, so about 40 years. Um, the school was designed for 4,000 4, but by 1965, it had a population of 6,000. <gasps> oh, fuck. L- literally. 2,000 over. Holy shit. That's like a 50% increase, right? Mm. I could do some math. <laughs> I feel <laughs> impressed when I do. It's <laughs> fucking, like, insane. How were they able to even house that many people? Not well? Not well. It was okay. fucking overcrowded and shit. Aww. It was... It's, it's really bad. Okay. So... Um, at the time, it was the biggest state-run institution for people with mental disabilities in the United States. They had, mo- it was mostly for children, but they did have, like, adults mm-hmm. that had mental disabilities. Okay. Conditions and questionable practices and experience, experiments? Experiments, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I kept <laughs> wanting to say experiences. That too, I guess, though. <laughs> Not the best experiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently prompted Senator Robert F. Kennedy to call it, like, he, he visited mm-hmm. and he called it a snake pit. Holy shit. Because um, after his visit, he was, like, actually mad um, and called for reform. That's a really prominent person to say that, too. Yeah. yeah. He saw them in filth, dressed in rags, um, cramped in rooms like a cage in a zoo. That's oh basically God. what they compared it to. Fuck. I'm going to backtrack a little. Yes. <laughs> um, in 1938, the plans were drawn up and construction was completed by 1942, but ended up being used as a United States Army hospital during World War II. Oh. After the war, in October 1947, it was finally reopened to be Willowbrook, as it was intended to be. So I kind of feel like it's haunted because of that, too. Yes, of, all the of deaths. course. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hmm, sketch, scary. <laughs> Not off to a great start here, guys. <laughs> so throughout the first decade of its operation, I guess hepatitis outbreaks were pretty common. I don't know. So they actually turned out to experiment on the children. <gasps> oh, my God. They basically, like, would put someone that had it and just, like, see how it like would infect like other people like a transfers basically holy shit that's so fucked up at the expense of the children oh my god it was it's mad um so on top of that they lived in inhumane conditions reaching a peak population of 6200 oh so even more than six of yep. them yeah 
Fuck. That's that's twenty two hundred more than the building was made for. Holy shit! Not that's like not even including the staff. I don't think I like actually physically cannot imagine it being that full. It's crazy. The conditions were really bad. Like oh, no. there was, I don't know if I wrote it in my notes because I think I like told myself I was just gonna say it. Mm-hmm. But these kids were like. Some of them didn't know how to feed themselves. Oh my gosh. And so they would have to be fed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I think I do say this in my notes, so I'll wait. But it was just really bad. There was a lot of like kids that just weren't being looked after properly. Like they would run around naked. They would oh. be like laying on the cold ass floor naked what? or like half dressed, like in their own like feces jesus it was it was it was a shit show literally Literally. (laughs) like literally oh yeah see along in the process due to budget cuts it got worse it led to the loss of 600 staff members leaving a ratio of one caregiver to 50 residents (gasps) and before budget cuts it was already bad before budget Uh cuts and it was i think it was one caregiver for four Uh four um patients or residents (laughs) But after budget cuts, it literally went bad. You thought one out of four was bad. Yeah, one out of four was bad. Now it's one out of 50. Holy shit. So this is when it just really, like... Like, it's impossible to care for that many people. Yeah, this uh, with numbers like that, it was impossible to keep everyone clean, fed, oh. supervised, or even clothed. Jeez. Patients would rub, rip their clothes off, run around nude. I kind of said this. They would masturbate, <laughs> the older ones. Oh, just run or roll around in their filth and feces on the floor. On top of that, it came out later that many children suffered physical, emotional, and sexual abuse from not only the staff, but also fellow residents. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah. That's but, very upsetting. Um, you want to hear something even more upsetting? I don't know. I feel like this entire episode is going to be upsetting. <laughs> it really is. So, former resident Bernard Carabello... Mm-hmm. Describe getting beaten with sti- sticks. <laughs> Steel sticks? <laughs> I just meant sticks, but my accent came out. Sticks? Sticks. Close. With sticks and belt buckles. <gasps> he recalled being ki- kicked into a wall by a staff member. Oh, by staff? Yep. And he, he went on to say sexual abuse was rampant hmm. at the hands of the staff and other residents. Fuck. Residents were rarely taught anything despite it being a fucking school school. there was like no sense of organization or like discipline Mm -hmm. like none whatsoever on a rare occasion that they like would they could shower it was no fun they had to shower in groups and were giving only five minutes to clean themselves with no soap toothpaste or even like their own towels they would have to like share how how are you even supposed to fucking shower? Yep. Oh my god. Um, and then I mentioned this earlier. Many needed help to like be fed, mm-hmm. and basically, what they basically didn't have enough time to feed everybody. Like, cause I guess um, when they had staff, they would like sit there. I think at least like fifteen, twenty. It takes to, a while. Like, fifteen. Someone. Yeah, like fifteen to thirty minutes they would like sit there and feed them but mm-hmm. since they didn't have time they would literally like mush it up all the food to it was kind of like i would say like oatmeal oh like um 
consistency. Yeah. And basically, like, force feed them. Or not force feed them, but, like, basically Aww. rapidly fe- feed them in, like, three to five minutes. Compared to, like, 30. That probably made them, like, sick eating that yes, much. Yes, a once. lot of, a lot of kids died from, I think <gasps> they said pneumonia. Oh. And it's just, like, dude, imagine, like, fucking, oh, God, no. Mm-mm. <sighs> Makes me mad. Do you go into how um, people were admitted into the hospital later? It was mostly, like, their families because it was supposed to help them. Okay, so they, they thought it was a nice place. Yes. Oh, that is fucked. And then some of them were part of the foster care. Like, it, it was mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were some parents that just kind of, like, because it was supposed to be a good school, they sent them there. And <sighs> others were, like, just orphans. Others were just really old and they didn't know who they were Mm -hmm. type thing yeah it was just kind of a mix of everything so if you're gonna send your kids off to a mysterious school go check it out in person (laughs) (laughs) for real and visit every day well when they have announced visits oh everything was tip-top shape or at least mostly so on top of the abuse some residents even went missing or mysteriously died (gasps) they're fucking murdered by the staff hmm Ugh. We'll get to a story later, but oh, God. it wasn't until 1972 where the public really saw the severity of the situations at Willowbrook. After investigator, reporter, Ger- Ger- Gerald, Ger- Gerald Rivera, I can't oh. say it in English, <laughs> um, did a surprise visit. He was actually invited by one of the doctors that worked there, Dr. Michael Wilkins. Mm -hmm. And he was actually fired because he was basically trying to gather all the parents of the children and was, like, trying to get them to basically, like... See what was going on? No, like, fight for the kids. Because he he would tell them, like, hey, this is going on. You guys should rally to make a change, basically. And um, the, like, board or whatever, like, found out and fired him. And so he was like, bet. And so he reached out to this, <laughs> this investigator reporter and he invited him over and was like, yo, bring a camera crew, like Dang. come check this shit out. So he was and the so he only did. good staff member in the entire fucking school. <laughs> no, that's what's sad. It's not like, like some people cared. They were just overworked and like. They couldn't do you, anything you about it. You just can't. You know what I mean? Like they would try their best. Side note, have you seen The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix? I saw the first... I don't think I finished it. I just watched that. So it sounded very familiar because they were talking about, like, the caseworkers had too many cases, so they couldn't really check in on on him and stuff, but they said they had, like, the best intentions, and I'm like, whoa. It's reminding me of that show. Yeah. That show's also fucked. It's very fucked. We'll probably talk about that case someday. It's very fucking sad. Yeah, we could talk about that someday. (laughs) Mm. Sorry, continue, Brandy. <laughs> Anyways, Gerardo arrived with a camera crew and ended up releasing an expose documentary revealing the horrific living conditions and the neglect of mentally disabled children. Mm. And I saw the first half of it. I didn't get to finish it, but it was really hard to watch because they actually show like oh. clips of oh, like a bunch no. of kids like naked on the floor, like just cr- some of them like. Like, you could tell, they were just, they would call them, like, the retarded, and I hate Aww. that word. But, yeah, you could see, like, kids with Down syndrome, like, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Just, like, all types of kids in there. And it's just made me, like, so mad. Just because I... I they put actual clips in it. Yeah, and then you could hear, like, moaning and groaning from all the, like, oh kids. Oh, my gosh. And it's just really sad. Oh, and there was also this one part. I think that's where I stopped watching it because I got <laughs> too, really... Too smad. I got too smad. <laughs> but um, when he, like, made a surprise visit, they, like, were touring the whole building or part different part different buildings because mm-hmm. it was huge um and they came to one building that was completely empty what and they were like basically like the head of the the school was like uh we can't use this building because we don't enough we don't have enough people to staff it and mother like fix, fix the overcrowding really yeah and i guess um I forgot who visited. It's God, I'm really bad. Was it the senator from before? It might have been. Well, I don't know if it was him or Gerardo Mm -hmm. that like walked into one of the rooms and it was just a bunch of toddlers, like unsupervised. Holy shit, dude! Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was bad. So Gerardo Rivera actually ended up winning a Peabody Award for his documentary. Um, and he, after, like, seeing how bad it was, he actually repeatedly followed up with the facility and documented conditions until its closure in 1987. Good. So, for 15 years, he was, like, consistent. How did that take 15 years? I don't know. That's time for all those toddlers to, like, age out and be 18. Yeah, basically. It was, it's just really, like, it makes me so mad. Because they did push for it, and they even, like, were, even parents, like, they were pushing for it for, like, better. Yeah, and everyone knew it was happening. Yeah. But instead, they just kept having budget cuts, which kept, like, it was just... Worse and worse. Worse and worse. Oh. It was bad. I think it just angers me more, because <laughs> I have a brother who's in special ed, mm-hmm. and I've seen the way he gets, like, mistreated. Really? Yes. Oh, no. It's just, it makes me so mad because special ed kids are, like, literally some of the sweetest kids ever. Yeah. Literally. Like, I've seen, like, people bully. Really? Like, other, even from teachers. <gasps> I remember this one time in middle school. It was lunchtime, and I was sitting with one of my best friends, and then I would always sit near the special ed kids because that's where my brother would sit. Yeah. And I remember there was, like, this girl eating... And she was trying to talk to the teacher. She was, like, a very bubbly, cute girl. Yeah. Like, she was just, like, very, like, happy all the time. And she <laughs> was trying to, like, ask the teacher something. And the teacher was, like, talking to another teacher. And she was basically, like, miss whatever. Like, you know, trying to get her attention. And she, like, turned and was, like, pretty basically yelled at her. And I could see, how like, how what sad the, the little girl got. And That's that really sad. pissed me off. I was, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, you're a teacher. You're supposed to have patience for that like she's not like she was being super annoying she would just wanted your attention to like ask you something yeah that's fucked up oh she's so annoying i hate seeing the mistreatment of people i hate seeing bullying especially on like special ed kids yeah just because i grew up witnessing it and your brother witnessing it with like with my brother and his friends and it just made me so angry how just because like they're different mm-hmm. they get picked on that's so fucked it's it pisses me off so much. How much older are you than your brother? Almost two years. We're okay. a year and nine months apart. Oh wow, you guys are actually very close. I yeah. don't think I realized that. Yeah, we're pretty close. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure people did get bullied at my school, and I was just fucking oblivious. 
But I remember in the eighth grade, because everyone would say, like, I just say, like, the R word or something. I don't mm-hmm. like to say it either. But everyone would, like, always say that, and our teacher, like, fucking went off on us. And I have not said it since, because her sister, uh, she had to take care of her, like, for her entire life, basically, as an adult, because she was special needs as well. And ever since then, if I hear anyone sing it, I'm like, the fuck did you just say? Yeah, I mean, it's just such a, like, derogatory term that doesn't need to be used. Yeah, it's definitely infuriating. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know your brother was bullied for that. That's, that's yeah. fucked up. Well, that's the thing. He is, like, he, how do I say this? Like, <laughs> like he's mentally disabled. Mm-hmm. It's not physical, but just because he was slower, mm-hmm. like, he got picked on for it. Because he actually had really bad, like, speech problems. Aww. Like, he didn't know, one, he didn't know how to express himself. And then when he tried to, he just, like, words didn't work for him kind of thing. Is he, like, on the spectrum? We believe so. He hasn't been diagnosed, but I believe so because he is, like, now that he's older, Mm -hmm. he's not very touchy-feely. Like, he doesn't like you for you to, like, hug him. Yeah. Like, unless he hugs you, then it's okay. But otherwise, he's like, no, like, don't touch me. Get the fuck off me. (laughs) And he is a little, like, antisocial. Okay. But then again, it's just kind of, like, it's hard for him. I feel like it's hard for him to be social. Because, he's been bullied. Yeah, because he's been bullied and he just doesn't feel confident enough to, like, conversate with people. He yeah. feels safer in his own little bubble. Yeah, especially if people have, like, fucked with him before and, like, bullied him for it. Like, yeah. you wouldn't feel comfortable, like, going and talking to people and stuff. Yeah, and it's just, it makes me sad because I know him and he's literally, like, a huge teddy bear. Aww. He's the nicest. <laughs> he literally, like, he's tall. I think he's almost six or no, he's like five eight. Well, I guess it's almost six, <laughs> four inches. Or <laughs> you're like he's six foot. Actually, he's four uh, eleven. <laughs> no, he's like five eight. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of your brother. Or five. They say I look a lot like him. Really? For me. I love how you say they. <laughs> well, like everybody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's like, he's pretty. He's a gentle giant, basically. That's cute. And he has like the mind of like a. 10 year old maybe okay. he gets along well with little kids yeah because <laughs> he's basically a big little kid uh-huh but yeah just sorry went on a little rant no it's okay if you're a bully go fuck yourself and don't listen to us <laughs> basically it's just makes me angry makes me smad i was gonna say smad <laughs> this makes me smad that this is happening but yeah if you're a bully don't listen to us there was actually one time <laughs> in elementary where this kid followed my brother into the bathroom and actually, like, choked him. Are you serious? Just because. What the fuck? And my brother, I remember my, it was, I think it was around lunchtime, and my brother came to me crying. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what happened? And he was like, mm, nothing. Like, he didn't want to tell me, and I had to, like, force him to tell me, and he finally told me, like, he choked me out. I was like, who, who, who? And then he, I literally, shit. I literally, like, tracked this kid down and... <laughs> He, like, ran into the bathroom because he didn't think Pussy. I was going to follow him. And I fucking went in there. <laughs> I was like, yo, you better back the fuck off my brother. I swear to God. Holy shit. How old were they? <laughs> we were in elementary. I think I was in fourth grade. And my brother. So he was, like, in second? Yeah. Oh, I want to kill this kids, person. Kids <laughs> Holy are, shit. Kids are fucking vicious, bro. I get really scared for the kids 
like in my family i've asked my little brother i'm like you don't get bullied do you i was like because i would be devastated <laughs> if anyone bullied you it's, it's just so angry like ang- angry it's so angry <laughs> Holy shit, that kid's probably a fucking murderer now. Who does that? He might. Bro. I know his name. I was like, if we look him up, we're going to see, like, <laughs> killed 17 people <laughs> or some shit. I mean, I don't know crazy. what he looks like, but I know his name. We're going to Google him after this is over. <laughs> oh, we're going to cyberbully him. <laughs> it's just, I hate it. That is scary. Right. That is so scary. That could have, like, really fucked him up. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, I think it helped having like me there yeah oh yeah not, he's not lucky to you guys went <laughs> i saved him, <laughs> I saved him. <laughs> no i mean i think it helped because we definitely are really close uh-huh even though he's a little butthead and i don't like him sometimes <laughs> but we are pretty cro- gross <laughs> we're pretty gross <laughs> no we, we are i remember in middle school because we went to school together yes um I would actually like see him walking by and we would actually say hi to each other. Like we would give each other a hug and be you like You and your brother? Yeah. Like when <laughs> we would it's like you guys don't even like live together. You're like, "What's up?" <laughs> no, yeah, basically. That's so funny. And I remember one of my class like she kind of put it in perspective for me mm-hmm. or just kind of made me think about it. She was like, "Damn, like you actually talk to your brother?" I was like, "Oh shit, like you don't." Like <laughs> I was like, I would never acknowledge Lee at school. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. There are some siblings like that, but me and my brother were like the opposite. That's we were, hilarious. We were like always together in school, like because we would walk home too or take the bus. And yeah. Be like, oh fuck. <coughs> Brandy's so choking up just talking about it. <laughs> Cuff right on the microphone. Oh shit! I didn't think about that. It's okay, Sorry. I don't use it when you're not here. <laughs> oh, it's my microphone. <laughs> and now that you fucking coughed on it, it is. <laughs> no kickbacks. Oh my god. But yeah. Anyways, enough yeah, we about were, we my were awesome brother. A story, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Huh? Shout out to Brandy's brother, Yay. who probably doesn't listen. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I love you, Victor. <laughs> All right. Um, back to my story. So, Willowbrook actually... I love how confidently you talk when you're just telling your own story. Yep. Two words in (laughs) written down. I always do this. I'm always like, yeah, confidence, and then fuck up. You're like... (laughs) You need to memorize your stories. They're so long. I I don't know how you can. I I mean, I should at least read them over. Because I haven't looked at this since last week. Dude, that's how I felt reading my story before this. That's why I kept pausing, because I was like, what the fuck? And then sometimes I'm like, what the fuck did I write? That doesn't make sense. Bro, that's how I was earlier, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Willowbrook actually inspired an urban legend about a deranged child killer. Oh, holy shit. This is not... What I was just expecting to hear. It's fucking crazy. Oh my god. So, the legend of Cropsy. Ooh. I think I'm saying it wrong, right? Cropsy? Cropsy. Okay. Or Cropsy? Cropsy. Cropsy? I'll just go with Cropsy. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's C-O... Nope. It's not. <laughs> C-R-O-P-S-E-Y. Both of our hesitation. I know. I was like, <laughs> it's right in front of me and I'm you're still hesitating. You're literally reading you're like... I'm like, what is that letter? I, there's literally like five layers too, and I fucked up the first two. I was like, see, oh, nope. Uh, Copsy? Copsies. Oh, okay. 
So they say Cropsy is an escaped mental patient that lurks in the tunnels beneath the Willowbrook school and comes out to hunt children at night. Um. He, <laughs> he's an ex-wielding lunatic, the killer with the hook for a hand. He's a boogeyman. Holy shit. There's a lot of scary things going on here. Yeah. Patients would warn their kids to behave and not want not to not wander off or the old Cropsy would snatch them with his hook and slice them to bits. Jesus Christ. Fucking crazy what these parents come up with, bro. Bro, that reminds me of like our folklore one when we we're like, yo, who tells their kids this shit? They're like, they're <laughs> gonna the, kill you. The boogeyman one. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's fucking uh but the creepiest thing about corpsey legend is that it turned out to not be a legend at all. No. Okay. <laughs> How? How? Cropsy was real was a real threat to the children and while his name wasn't actually Cropsy, nor was he an escaped mental patient, he actually worked at Willowbrook as a custodian, an orderly and a physical therapist. Fuck. Um, many children vanished in Staten Island without a trace. <gasps> Holy shit. Yes. Um, it started with five year old Alice Pierre era. In 1972, um, it says she was playing in the lobby, and her brother left her alone to go. I forgot. Like he, I think he went to go like get something, uh-huh. and when he came back, she was like nowhere to be found. Fuck. And then in 1981, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes went missing when her mom sent her to go get soap to the store, mm-hmm. and she was taken. <laughs> And they actually saw him. Oh. And they were able to convict him for later. Well, yeah. Well, they, they, they like, saw him, but they didn't know who he was. Of course. So um, he did this outside of work, too? That mm-hmm. was just a random kid, not mm-hmm. even at the hospital? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Great. I was well, not expecting a serial killer in your story. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> when I was reading it. And then in 1983, 11-year-old Tia Tia Hees, Ty Hees, I don't know. It's a really interesting. Your best. <laughs> Tia Hees Jackson. Oh. Um, she was sent to go buy food and never returned. Oh my god. <laughs> Do not send your kids to go get food. <laughs> um, and that was. Oh, I was mistaken. For the last girl, he actually was like convicted. Oh. Or this other girl, that. The third girl. The third girl, mm-hmm. um, she disappeared 14 days after he was released from so jail. So he was convicted and then released? Uh, yep. What was he And then this girl. <laughs> Sorry. With, uh, kidnapping. Okay. But they never found a body for any of them. That is clearly more than kidnapping. Yeah, but they couldn't prove it. They just charged him with what they could prove. Fuck. Because they had witnesses that saw him take her, so they charged him with kidnapping oh my god and then lastly in 1984 22 year old hank jaffio oh um i guess he was a slow a slow older dude he was like mentally disabled okay and he was last seen with him he was at the hospital no oh just somewhere else yeah somewhere else with them i think they saw him at like leaving a restaurant together he really jumped in ages and everything too yeah and I, I think well i'll get there but okay. i think um 
he started at the state school because uh-huh. it was easier. Of course. And then obviously, I think when he got more comfortable, he started like doing it with outside kids. Fuck. But the crazy thing is, all the kids, I believe, they were all like mentally disabled in some way. Holy shit. Or like had some kind of disability. That is scary. So he had a type. Yeah. Um, so details of what happened to them remain unknown and their bodies were never found. Oh my god. For those four, first four, three, four. I wonder if there was more two who went missing that just were never connected to him. I kind of think so. I think so too. Scary. Yeah. It wasn't until the disappearance of 12-year-old Jennifer Squeezer. I probably butchered that. Kind of a funny last name, but Squeezer. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that. Do you know how to do that? It's like some German shit. Where's Leah? Schwager. Schwager? Schwager. I think German W is a V. Oh. Like Schwager. What the fuck did I say? Squeezer. <laughs> I think Schwager. Whatever you said sounded. Schwager? Yeah, Schwager? That's, that sounded more right. Whenever Anyways. you need to say the last name, point at me and I'll just. <laughs> Schwager. Schweezer. Schweezer. Wait, I was thinking different already. Squeeze. Uh, squeezer. Nope, that's what I said. Oh. Schweezer. Anyways, we'll Sorry. just, we'll just call going, her Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> so, it wasn't until her disappearance that police finally got to Cropsy, a.k.a. a man named Andre Rand. Perfect that there is currently police alarms going on outside Yo, oh that's wow pretty, that's, that's pretty like, on point brandy they're coming for you <laughs> cropsy they're coming for you bitch <laughs> i'm not cropsy that that was actually perfect that was like we just edited it in so, yo that sounded yo. pretty dope except for i forgot the word so i was like police noises <laughs> <laughs> sirens sirens <laughs> so jennifer was a sweet young girl with down syndrome that went for a walk and never came home fuck the community launched a massive search party friends neighbors and other volunteers combed the parks and wooded areas around staten island their search ended in the woods behind willowbrook state school where they found her body in a shallow grave oh my god not too far from the makeshift grave was andre camping oh what Hmm. okay it's like how dumb are you and that's what i was thinking too that just makes me think that, like, I think other bodies are out there. I Very. was going to say dig up the entire fucking, <laughs> like, whole fucking field woods. or whatever's there. It's the woods. It woods, yes. <laughs> um, prior to Jennifer's disappearance, he was actually in all sorts of trouble. In 1969, he was arrested for attempted rape. Um, <laughs> he apparently had lured a nine-year-old girl into his car and drove her to an empty parking lot and removed both of their clothing but before anything happened a police car happened to pass by and arrest him fuck well because he passed by and he was like what the fuck is this yeah holy shit so that girl kind of got lucky yeah but that was before was that Alice, before everyone before the first one? Oh my gosh and i kind of feel like that might have been his first one and alice was at the school correct no okay she wasn't okay N- none of these people Oh, okay. Like, cool. the ones from school, we don't know. I feel like he Those probably... Those are we just probably think he did. I feel like he did, but he know he knew how to choose them. Like, I feel like he chose those kids, like, that were in foster care. Or, like, so they didn't have family? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my theory. Holy shit. Because the way, like, you could just get rid of a body like that, like, 
You're obviously an expert. Yeah. You've been doing it a while. He definitely killed more people than yeah, that's, we know of. Yeah, that's definitely why I think he started in the school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was sentenced to four years in jail after he got arrested. Four years for... Oh, for the attempted rape. Yeah, for the attempted Even rape. Even for the murder of the no, other no. little girl. I was no, like, no, whoa. No. <laughs> um, so he was sentenced for four years, but only served 16 months. Holy shit. Because, yeah. That's nothing. Four years was already nothing. And then in 1983, which was the same year the 11-year-old went missing, um, he had been working for a school bus company and had decided to just randomly pick up 11 kids off the street and take them for a drill ride for five hours. Like, uh, straight up just picking up random kids off, like, the street. What? Yep. What the fuck? And he took them out to eat and then drove them to Newmark. New Newark? Yeah, Newark International Airport for reasons unknown. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Sketch. Super. But whatever was planned, he ended up backing out and getting caught and served 10 months in jail. Good, motherfucker. <laughs> it's just 10 months, though. That's almost as much as he served for attempted rape on a child. Yep. Wow. And he got literally... It's just ridiculous compared to 11 kids. Oh. Did he hurt any of those kids? No. Okay. I mean, he was definitely going to, yeah, it was, but he didn't get to it yet. Yeah, it was weird because I guess he backed out of it and, like, basically... He was probably feeling all confident in the beginning, and then he's like, this is a lot of yeah, kids. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what his thought process was. Yeah. Um, but he was convicted for Jennifer's murder in 1987. And in 2004, he was convicted of the kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes. Wow. Um, because there was witnesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which got him another 25 years in jail. Wow. Um, I am happy to report that he is still rotting in jail and isn't <laughs> available for parole until 2039 at the age of 30, not 30, 93. Oh, cool. So he'll probably die. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Fingers crossed. Um, sadly, he hasn't revealed anything about what happened or where the bodies of his victims are. That's so fucked up. Oh. <laughs> They're coming for you, Cropsy. <laughs> In my notes, I just wrote, He's gross. <laughs> so eloquently put, Brandy. Thank you. <laughs> he's gross. I literally just wrote, he's gross. That's it. Oh, I love it. The end. <laughs> no ghost here, guys. That's not the end, but... In jail, he brags about his ventures and even com- compared himself to Ted Bundy. He, he definitely fucking killed more people, dude. I definitely think so. Holy shit. He said, you know me and Bundy are alike in many ways. We both use Volkswagens. Bundy's thing was women. My thing is kids. Oh my god. Dot, dot, dot. Do you think the police could figure it that out? I guess that was him, like, talking about other inmates. He's gross. He is gross. He is gross. He is gross. <laughs> Um, but because of the expose and everything, it actually led to change and reform. Parents of the residents had filed a class action lawsuit in which they alleged the Willowbrook State School violated the constitutional rights of residents. Um, it is sad that it was this way, but afterwards around the nation, people agreed to not institutionalize or treat people with intellectual and developmental... Developmental? (laughs) Developmental disabilities are less than human. 
Because that's kind of how they were treated before. Wild, it took all this to get a fucking change. It did, but I'm happy it did happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so now the school is just straight up abandoned and looks creepy as hell. Some people believe spirits of those that wrongfully died still roam lost around the school. Oh, gross. Creepy. Where This was in New, New York? York? Staten Island. If you guys buy enough merch, we will fly there and tour this. But it's, it's crazy that how it looks now versus like when it was in its prime. In its prime, um, in the documentary, like they show it and they say it looks like, like a college. It could easily be mistaken for a college just because of how big and pretty it looks. And you said that whenever they knew that there was going to be like parents and stuff, they would like clean it up? Yep. That is extremely sketchy yeah like in the documentary they were showing how they kind of mixed the clips in but they Mm -hmm. were showing the clips like of naked kids and then um they went again when there was a scheduled visit and they were like they still showed up a few hours early of the scheduled visit good and they recorded how basically they were like cleaning everything (laughs) making it look like decent and then they like got like bags of clothes to put on the kids and then like they even asked the lady like who's in charge here like what's going on and she was like i am and she's like we're simply understaffed we just don't have enough people and this and that it was just and our serial killer custodians out today (laughs) (laughs) basically it's just holy shit it just makes me like so sad you know that so so smad there's so many like kids and people like had to live through that mm-hmm. and probably died there too yeah a lot of kids died through that like just so many like suffered mm-hmm. like a lot it's definitely haunted definitely i like how yours uh yours went down such a wild road brandy i told you it was it wasn't even too much actually haunted stuff it was just it, like i realized crazy. that after i was like fuck it's not even like creepy brandy's well, haunting was at the end with mine the, was real it's haunted, haunted. It's haunted now. Honestly, your entire story was fucking haunting, so I think you're fine. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's crazy. That is scary. I can't get over the fact that a serial killer worked there. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, he definitely fucking killed kids there. I I truly believe so. I agree. And I'm gonna have to put a warning in the information. I thought, we're just talking about haunted stuff. It's not gonna be so bad. Brandy's like, child serial killers. Mm, you know? <laughs> okay, well, on that note. So, this week I'm going to be talking about Beechworth Asylum, also known as Beechworth Hospital for the Insane, and later on, Mayday Hills Mental Hospital. I love my, uh, my voice when I say it. I'm like, uh, hospital for the insane. <laughs> Sound very positive. We love it. join us. <laughs> So, Beechworth Asylum was opened in Beechworth, Victoria, Australia in 1867. It was the second of this type of hospital to be built in Victoria and was one of the three largest. I read one article that claimed it was built here because some believed the town's altitude would basically cleanse patients of their illnesses like the wind would carry away their disease. It was the 1800s, bro. Mm. (laughs) But anyway, it was located on 106 hectares of land. You know what that means, right? No. Um, Neither do I. So that's equal to 261 (laughs) acres. You know what that means, right? No. Neither did I. How many of your apartments? 
Oh god, I don't. I didn't check it like that. Oh, I, you always do that though, bro. It gets what hard. But I saw it's point four miles. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so I got something, and I was like actually disappointed by that number at first until I thought of nearly half a mile, and it's only one big fucking like institute, <laughs> and I was like, oh, never mind. Half a mile is actually really big. It kind of is. Just kind of. Just kind of. Just a teeny, <laughs> little wee. So, on the land surrounding the asylum, they had their own orchards, uh, orchards, orchards. I don't know. Don't ask I don't me, know. bro. They had their own plant stuff. They had... <laughs> <laughs> Garden? <laughs> yeah, sure. Where there was, like, food growing. God, man. Yes, orchards. like a garden. Orchards? That's not a flower, is it? Orchids are flowers. Yeah, orchids are flowers. Okay, so they had their own orchards. It sounds stupid the more I say it. It <clears> said that they have a pigger. Which I think is, like, pigs for slaughtering. I took it very literally. They had fields, stables, and barns. It also had a tennis court, a cricket pavilion, and a theater. And they were pretty much self-efficient because... Self-sufficient because they had, like, all this food shit. They had their orchid plants, whatever. <laughs> they had their pigs. Orchid. Orchids. That's, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> So, the main deciding factor for me doing this hospital is when I went on their Wikipedia page, I saw that they use ha-ha walls. So, at first, I like, <laughs> like you, I have no idea what that means, probably. If you know what ha-ha walls are, that'd be the most random fucking no, flex. No, I don't, but okay. I, I did see that one, and I wanted to do that one. Oh, really? When I had told you. Oh, shit. Okay, well, Brandy's gonna be less surprised, but I'll tell you guys anyway. No, I just read, like, ha-ha walls, and I was like, this looks interesting, You're but like, I didn't uh-huh. read more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ha-ha, what is that? But I didn't actually, like, read into it, so. Okay, good. So, basically, a ha-ha wall, it's, like, a big wall surrounding a property, and from the outside, it just looks normal, not too tall, and, like, it looks like it's easy to climb over, like, if want, if you want to, like, it wouldn't give off the impression that people were being imprisoned inside. But from the inside, they had a sloping trench leading up to the wall. So it was actually impossible for inmates to get out over the wall. Oh, shit. It literally is like the fucking zoo. How they just have those trenches in front of stuff. Yeah. So these people were basically being treated like they were in a zoo. Damn. That, I read that and I was like, that is insanely creepy. I'm talking about this hospital. <laughs> yes. So, most patients at the asylum were over middle age or between the ages of 20 to 85, biggest window ever. At most, it held 1,200 patients, 600 men and 600 women. So, there were a few different ways that a person could be admitted to the hospital. The first was, per the request of a family member or someone you knew, as long as they were able to get two medical practitioners to sign medical certificates. This was changed a little bit by the Mental Health Act of 1959, which I'm just going to read directly from the Wikipedia quote because I don't want to summarize a health act. So it says, a person could be admitted upon the recommendation of a medical practitioner who had examined the person. As soon, and as soon as possible after admission, the superintendent of the hospital was required to examine the patient and either approve the recommended addition, admission or discharge the patient. So basically, they would get admitted by a doctor or whatever and the superintendent would like interview you and be like, oh yeah, I want to let you in or oh no, you don't need to come in. But I'm sure that they just let everyone come in. <laughs> So, the second way to get admitted was if a person was wandering at large or not properly taking care of themselves, they could be brought before two judges in order to go to the asylum. This way was normally used by police. Any prisoner of the crown who was also thought to be a, quote, lunatic, whenever I say the word lunatic, like, it's loosely, uh, they could be moved from a standard jail to the asylum, 
And lastly, you could volunteer yourself to be admitted if you were fucking insane. <laughs> I guess maybe they literally were. Uh, but I just, I wouldn't admit myself, just so you guys know. While some people admitted into the hospital were violent or actually had issues in their lives, many were sent in just based on another person's testimony that they were ill. So little was known about mental illness at the time that it was blamed for fucking everything. Even people with epilepsy and mothers with postpartum depression were sent to the hospital for being insane. And the, yeah, it's, it's, especially the epilepsy. I'm like, it's seizures, bro. What's that got to do with anything? That's how it was back then. People were fucking crazy. I'm sure they had a lot of gay people too. Oh, probably. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, like in... I feel like any institution back then, it was like any. If anything was like slightly wrong with you, they're you like were, we're you, locking you, you up. Yeah, basically, <laughs> you have Down syndrome. Oh, we're institutional. Turns out you're actually a lunatic, and you just didn't know it. I apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucked. So, in the time that the asylum was open, there were only four types of lunacy: mania, mel- melancholia. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Dementia and paranoia. As of now, there are over 200 classified forms of mental illness, and they just narrowed it down to four. Mm. <laughs> so that tells you all you really need mm. to know. <laughs> Interesting. So it's worth noting that to get to admit, to get admittance as a patient only required two signatures, but to get out, you needed eight signatures from people. Literally four times as fucking hard. One article I read said that about one-third of all patients admitted into the Victorian Australia's network of asylums never left, and another estimated that at least 3,000 patients had died there in the 128 years that it was open. Which, like, no fucking wonder haunted asylums are a thing, dude. (laughs) Traumatic, and everyone dies. One specific example I read of, like, a reason for admittance was of an eight-year-old boy who had stolen a horse and was sent to the asylum, and he remained there until he died in his 80s. Jeez! First, dude, these... Dude. D- people would protect horses more than fucking kids. Yes! Also, didn't that happen in, like, the 1800s one? Somebody yeah. stole a horse and they sent yeah. him to death. <laughs> yeah. Bro, people care about horses more than anything back then. <laughs> I mean, horses are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. They're, like... And their awesome. lives are worth more than children. They're, they're awesome, very loyal animals, but like, goddamn. Not that much. So. It's not like he murdered the horse, did he? No, he, he just stole he it. He was an eight year old who probably like went on a walk with it, and they're like, well, you're going to an asylum for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> Stupid. So, within hours of Beechworth opening, they had already had their first patient death. Oh, wow. Yeah, a man named William Whitehead. It's actually a very funny name. I didn't think about it. Whitehead. According to his death certificate, he died of insanity. Hmm. How the fuck do you die from insanity? I don't know. You just go... Did he have a heart attack or something? Yeah, you just... too excited. You you just go so insane that your heart stops? Yeah. Someone just stabbed them and they're like, ah, it was the insanity. (laughs) Oh my god. According to a tour guide I read about, the hospital had a laboratory where they would perform autopsies like Williams. In this room, there was a floor-to-ceiling bookcase, and some of the shelves stored body parts and formaldehyde. Supposedly, when restoration work was being done in the 1950s, these disappeared from the room, and some believe they're now in a sealed cavity of the asylum's cellar. What the fuck? Fucking jars of body parts. Hmm. Pleasant. Not looking forward to whoever finds that someday. Mm, Scared. 
When the cellar itself was still under construction, patients were made to work on it, and instead of bringing them back up at night, sometimes they would just lock them down there, and they would just have to sleep in the construction area until work again the next day. Mm -hmm. Some people think that the cellar is actually a lot larger than it appears, and that part of it's been bricked up for whatever reason. Your serial killer, too, probably came and hit it up, and that's where he stored his bodies. Mm, Sounds like him. (laughs) Unfortunately, back in the day, it was the norm to treat people with mental illnesses with restraint. The staff would use straitjackets, isolation cages, which are exactly what they sound like you would put be put in a cage alone, and chairs with straps on them to hold patients in place to make them calm down. Like, can you imagine freaking out over being put in a straitjacket and your doctor is like, all right, I know what's wrong. And then he puts you into a fucking cage. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. I feel like that just makes them go more insane. Yeah, exactly. If people didn't have issues when they got admitted here, they definitely had PTSD after a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Patients who self-harmed had leather mittens locked onto them. And if they tried to bite them off, they would have a tooth pulled. If they attempted this twice, their front two teeth were pulled. Fuck. And if you did it a third time, they pulled all of your remaining teeth out. That is Mm -hmm. fucking... Oh my god. I guess mine does have a little bit of graphic parts. Not as much as yours, though. (laughs) Yeah. It got even worse as over time, doctors also became familiar with electroshock treatments and Mm. lobotomies. Oof. (laughs) Those? mm -mm. Have you seen Ratchet? I still haven't seen it. Oof, okay. bro, that shit. Oh, you need to text me, me, text up. me like tomorrow and be like, "Hey, motherfucker, go watch, watch this." Ratchet. Yes. So I'm not gonna go into the lobotomies because they're only mentioned in passing. But if you don't know what that is, according to Wikipedia, it is quote a form of psychosurgery, a newer neurosurgical treatment of a mental disorder that involves severing connections in the brain's preformed prefrontal cortex. Jesus, big words, guys. Most of the connections to and from the prefrontal cortex. The interior part of the frontal lobes of the brain are severed. So they literally just poke around in your brain and cut stuff. Yeah. They yeah. throw it in wretched. Uh, I don't know if I could watch this well, show. It's anymore. fucking insane. Is it gory? Uh, like, they don't actually show it, but you okay. hear it. Like, she has but, an ice pick and a hammer, and it's just like, you hear the oh my cracking. God. Oh my god. It's, yep. I'll mute it whenever I get to the yeah, they sometimes use ice picks, guys. Super, super, super well, I cool. I think that's, they have an actual, actual, an actual tool now, but uh, at least in oh, the show. Oh, thank God for cutting up your in fucking show, brain. In the show, she used an ice pick. Holy shit. It was a tool that looked exactly like an ice pick. That is so scary. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes as a result of the lobotomies, people would develop epilepsy or have changes in their personalities. And I think sometimes, like... People would even go fucking brain dead from it, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I feel like... I didn't read that, but I was just thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm sure that happened. If you cut the wrong part of the brain, Yeah, if you, if you, you go too far to the left, too Ooh, far to the right, or you go too deep, you could Mm-mm. definitely fucking... Nobody touch my brain. Fuck some <laughs> shit up in there. So, now on to the electroshock. Doctors would strap patients down on a bed and secure their head with a belt so they couldn't move while they used electricity to shock them. During the therapy, the shocks would affect the patient's body so violently that they would sometimes slam back or go into the fetal position. It wasn't too uncommon for bones to break or teeth to shatter during this. And I read that people may have even died or, like I said, for the body has gotten brain damage as a result from the electroshock therapy. According to tour guides, they may have potentially done mass shock treatments to nearly all the patients at once, though I, like, 
don't understand how that's physically possible. <laughs> like, they had them all lined up against a wall or something? I don't know. I don't get that. Mm-hmm. There was a children's ward in the hospital, and according to one website I visited, they were thankfully not subjected to the shock therapy. But that doesn't mean that they lived a carefree life. Instead, they seemed to be beaten by their own caretakers mm. often. Some even supposedly were accidentally beaten to death. Accidentally? How, yeah, um, if you're just How being up a kid, you're planning on killing them anyway. Accidentally. Mm-hmm. Beats. Yep. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. You need to watch. More SMAD. You need to watch. <laughs> More SMAD. <laughs> you need to watch The Trials of uh, Gabriel Fernandez. Cause actually, it's very upsetting. It is very upsetting. I think that's yeah. why it took me forever to watch it. Mm-hmm. Maybe just read about it. Uh, I mean, I, I think I just had the last episode to go, so I saw most of it. So, full moons are associated with insanity, as you may or may not know. And according to local legends, on nights at the full moon, the patients would become much more loud and rowdy. But this is probably because they had curtainless rooms, so with a bright light, they could actually like see what was up and go and do shit. Supposedly, there were around 20 peacocks kept on the ground so that their cries... <laughs> okay, I know. That part was kind of funny. But it was because the cries of the peacocks would drown out the screaming of the oh, patients. So it was a really dark reason. Jeez. But I mean, looking at it, you're probably like, oh, pretty little peacocks. Yeah. <laughs> the first superintendent of Beechworth was such a firm believer in the full moon causing insanity that when he went outside during a full moon, he would bring an umbrella with him. <laughs> Like, that's going to fucking protect him from the moonbeams coming mm. to get him. <laughs> what a moron. In 1951, part of the hospital was caught in fire due to electrical faults. In their rush to rescue patients from the roof that was about to collapse, they were literally herding them out naked from their rooms. Why they were naked to begin with, I have no fucking idea. They were able to save the 400 men that had been in the wing with only one minor injury, and that was just to an attendant. In the aftermath of the rescue, I imagine it was pretty wild scene as firefighters were, like, dressing all the men and putting out the fire. Eleven patients actually were able to escape onto the surrounding oh, land. Seven of them were eventually captured, but at the time of the, of the newspaper article I was reading, four non-dangerous, I specify, patients still remained at large. Like, good for them. <laughs> like, yeah, I would fucking make a run for it, too. I hope that they survived and, like, die in the wilderness, but... The wilderness of Australia. I don't know I, what I it's hope like. they made it out and got to live the life they deserve. Yeah, they go to, like, Melbourne or something. Go, like, chill on the beach. Go chill <laughs> with the koalas. Life. Yeah, go chill with the koalas. And the kangaroos. And the crocodiles and the sharks. And all the scary things. Australia's scary, man. It really is. Have it's you like seen those spiders? Yes. Those shits are huge. Yes. I used to want to live in Australia because I used to watch House Hunters International a lot as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. And I used to really want to live in Australia until I would, like, look up stuff like that and, like, sharks and all the crazy fucking animals there. And I was like, mm, actually, never mind. Uh-uh. Maybe not. Nothing. I admire from far. Yes. So, this fire destroyed a large part of the men's wing, and although they did build new buildings, it never returned to being quite as large as it was before. There was apparently a famous... <laughs> what are you giggling at? I just... I shit. <laughs> scared me. Sorry. I shit. I shit. Brandy. Did you just shit yourself? No, it's, it's Spanglish. <laughs> there was apparently a famous outlaw back in the day named Ned Kelly, whose uncle, Jay Kelly, was arrested after burning down his sister-in-law's home. He was sentenced to 15 years, and as part of his sentence was to go to Beechworth and help build the asylum. 
After finishing his work there in a sentence, it's said that he went insane and ended up having to spend the rest of his life at the hospital as a patient until his death. Brutal. That sucks. So, Jay Kelly was buried in Beechworth in an unmarked grave, along with many other patients. Adding on to the already fucked upness that they had to, like, endure during life, they would also be buried facing a different direction as other people in the town, basically confirming after death that they were different. What the fuck? Is that? That's just such an unnecessary thing. It's very extra. Unnecessarily fucked. So, it wasn't until the 1980s that the patients were given headstones and buried in the correct manner. That's so mean. I was so confused reading that first because I thought that they were buried at the hospital, but I forgot that this was in a town named Beechworth. So I was like, why was everyone in the town buried at the hospital? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. One website I read said that before the bodies were buried, they were kept in the asylum cellar for sometimes months at a time. And there are rumors that the bodies were experimented on by doctors and Mm. offered as sacrifices and satanic rituals. I don't doubt it. I don't know about the satanic ritual, but the experiments. Oh, yeah, I am sure. Experience, definitely. Yeah. Motherfuckers would be wild. So, Beechworth Asylum has been called one of the most haunted buildings in Australia. Ooh. And for good reason. They had the usual things like sounds of footsteps following you as you walk the grounds and doors that appear to open on their own. But they also had much more hauntings, too. One ghost seen around the hospital is of a nurse named Matron Sharp. She was well-loved and can be seen wandering the halls or down a staircase to the asylum and gives off a comforting aura as she was compassionate towards the patients. It's said that when she was alive, she would sit with the patients while they waited, awaited their electroshock therapy and would try and, like, talk to them and make them feel more comfortable. Some have even seen her ghostly figure sitting by a bed, seemingly holding a hand that they couldn't see like she was comforting someone. Arthur, the asylum's gardener, also haunts the premises. He, is, he was known around the hospital for always wearing his green wool jacket, and legend has it that after he died, nurses discovered that he'd kept about four years of wages sewn into his jacket seams. What the fuck? No one has any idea why. People working in the building have reported hearing children laughing and playing, but were unable to find anyone. This was backed up by another visitor that said she heard children but saw none, and her son was walking along with her on the tour, and she caught him talking to himself. When she asked him who he was talking to, he said he'd met a little boy named James who lived in the hospital. Mm. That's... No. No, no, no. Don't bring your kids on these haunted tours, dude. Yeah, that's fucking... It's a a hard pass. It's a pass. (laughs) So, in the hall that was later turned into a cinema for the patients, people have seen the apparition of an elderly man staring out of a window and a young girl who looks like she's desperately trying to communicate with women touring touring the building, but is unable to. That's sad. It's really sad. The, just the image I have in my head for that yeah, is really depressing. Yeah, the one I had too. Yeah. <laughs> so the Gravilla Wing was where patients were sent to do their electroshock therapy. Now during tours, visitors say that it's icy cold when you're in the area. The founder of the Indian Paranormal Society once visited this wing and said he saw a little girl kneeling in the darkness. Hmm. A medium investigating with him also saw a door slamming and heard heavy footsteps and a voice telling them to get out. Okay. Super cash. A different ghost hunter, this one Australian, was in a wing called the bullpen, where the more aggressive young people were housed, where he could hear a door slamming and footsteps. Guests of the hospital have also seen faces floating in the windows. Oh, I don't know that. That's just a hard pass for me, honestly. <laughs> Reportedly, there was once a patient who pushed another woman out of a window because she wanted her cigarettes. <laughs> And visitors of the asylum today say that they can see the woman's body laying on the ground where it fell. Though I did read another similar story, which may have been, like, a 
different version of this one. So, in the second story, a woman was thrown out of a window because she was Jewish, mm. I think. Regardless, because of her religion, her body had to be seen by a rabbi before it moved. Unfortunately, they had none on the premises. And one source said that her body had laid there for two days before no anyone was way. able to come and get it. Which, that's fucking nasty. If you just look out and see Oof. a woman's decomposing body. Oof. No, thank Rigamortis and shit. Ew. In the old recreation room, the spirit of a little girl has been seen scratching the concrete walls with her short nails and wailing in distress. Mm. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> a man named Tommy Kennedy was a patient at the hospital who helped as a kitchen aide and by helping move and would help move bodies of those who died there. He was well liked by all who knew him before his death in the asylum, possibly at the hands of another patient. Mm. <laughs> Since his death, people have seen him around Beechworth and blame him for the feeling of someone pulling out their clothes or poking them in the ribs to tickle them. <laughs> Personally, I don't want to be poked in the ribs by a ghost. Um, me either. No, thank you. So, speaking of the kitchen, even though it has since been emptied of all the old supplies, people have reported hearing pots and pans banging around and someone in pain screaming and crying. Oh, cool. I was like, oh, pots and pans, whatever. Oh, sc- screaming, crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screaming, crying. <laughs> yep. I <laughs> yep. understood it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one pretty crazy story I read about was a man who seemingly vanished from the grounds of the hospital. <laughs> he was looked for for several weeks, but nobody could find him until one day a resident dog was found near the asylum entrance, chewing on a decomposing leg. Mm. The tree next to this was searched, and in it they found the body of the patient who had tried to escape. He seemed to have just gone into the tree to hide before somehow dying up there, and his body had just naturally, his leg had just naturally fallen off the rest of his body due to decomposition. Mm so fucking gross some say this is the reason for a stench that stays on the hospital grounds and the spirit of this man has been seen near the entrance of the hospital in the early morning and finally some visitors even think they saw the devil in the asylum (laughs) so these people reported seeing glowing red eyes in dark corners of rooms looking back at them this mysterious figure was said to have a dark energy that follows some guests around as they explored Others said that they felt like the dark energy was trying to take over their body, making them feel stomach cramps, headaches, and dizziness. There have been some who had to leave tours and get out of the hospital because of this paranormal creature. Yeah. They really jumped, huh? It was like, oh, regular ghost, the devil. The fucking devil. (laughs) Trying to possess you. (laughs) Or at least a fucking um, demon. Yeah. Something fucking demonic down there. So, the Beechworth Asylum was finally closed in 1995. Which kind of feels like too late, honestly. Dude, that was two years before I was born. Yeah, okay, when you say it like that, it's a little late. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the building was later owned by Latrobe University. In 2013, it was sold to two local businessmen and was being leased or sold to tourism and art-based businesses. Ghost and historical tours are still offered, and they even host weddings. Uh, One creepy fun fact before I finish is that the wedding venue is the Chapel of the Resurrection, which was actually built as a mortuary in 1868 what? before being converted into a chapel. What the fuck? <laughs> that's so... Literally, people go there to get married. They're like, oh, cool oh, chapel. Oh, my God. That's, that's crazy. That's kind of fucking cool, though. <laughs> All right. That is it for my story. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Uh, if you want to email us, you can at thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at SpookyShit underscore pod. And you can check out our website at SpookyShit-pod.com. I feel like I'm never going to get over the fact that we're like 
dot dash apostrophe fucking question mark. I don't know. Semicolon. Semicolon pod. (laughs) Uh, And also check out our merch, everyone, if you want to be warm and cozy and also give us your money. But you get stuff in return this time. (laughs) All right. Uh, Talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Michelle and Brandy. Motherfucker. (laughs)